0: Well, this evening, we're going to jump right in and um, look at our thought that we're going to start with on a, a just a new, what would be considered a somewhat of a heavy topic. And um, some of you might have gotten broadsided by a question such as this concerning God before, and some of you might have faced it before, some of you might have the uh, the. The, the quick, simple answer, and I, I know that it doesn't take two or three Sundays to really give a simple answer to this, but um, I'm not simple in that area. I like being a <laughs> maybe a little bit more detailed, giving a little bit more than just the, oh, by the way, I'll give it this way. There, there's a way, some parents, y- y'all, y'all do know this, uh, some of you probably used it. There, there's a couple of ways that parents can answer their children when they ask a question. You can't answer because I said so. And you can let that answer just be it across the board every time because I said so. Because I said so. Why do we do this? Because I said so. Why do we go to church? Because I said so. Why do I got to read my Bible? Because I said so. And now, that should be a good enough answer just to go ahead and, well, you know, that's what I'm instructed to do. That's what I'm going to do it. However, is that the most helpful answer? Not really. Just because you said so, well, what happens when you're not around to say so? Uh, shouldn't they maybe know sometimes you don't have to, parents don't have to explain themselves to their children all the time, but it doesn't hurt to be a little more um, clear about the wise. That's called instruction. As a matter of fact, uh, we could say with a lot of things, Well, well, why do you believe that? Because the Bible said so. Go, go door knocking and, and, and people say, well, why, why do you believe this? And why do you believe? Well, because the Bible said so. Well, that really helps them. I'm sure they're going to take that and say, wow, that fixes everything for me. No, they're going to say, where? And, and how do you know that's how it applies? It, is that the only place the Bible talks about that? Well, no, the Bible talks about the, something in multiple areas and puts it all together. It's even more concrete that it's not just a passing thing we twist out of Scripture, but when it is confirmed and confirmed, when, when God's Word confirms and backs up itself over and over again, you know that, uh, that you have a doctrine that should be followed. And, and so I believe it is important to kind of dig in a little more than just, well, the Bible said so, kind of answer. So we're going to look at, at this question tonight. And go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Ecclesiastes the preacher Ecclesiastes chapter 6 now this is a whole uh, this book of Ecclesiastes and one day we might actually investigate this book uh, and go through it I don't know Uh, just throw it out there as a possibility but um, it can be one of the most depressing books I mean you think Leviticus is, is bad Leviticus just gets boring sometimes when it comes to all the names and this and thou's and they and begat and this and that and everything else. But Ecclesiastes kind of throws everything in life that you've ever known and then ends it with a statement, vanity of vanity. This also is vanity. <laughs> it, you know, uh, after a while you're like, my goodness, I can read it like this. Uh, and we sat down and ate lunch and it all is vanity. I mean, it's, after a while, you start looking and say, man, everything we do in life is just vain. But you're, you're dealing with someone uh, in, in Solomon who, by the way, had, and I was reading even today, where it mentioned that Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed not the Lord as his father David the wisest man that ever lived, who's given the promise of God that God would make him wise, God would make him wealthy, and God would give him uh, the the attention of all those around, the popularity. He'd get it all. Why? Because all he asked for was the wisdom to lead God's people. And in his early days, Solomon had his head screwed on straight and focused on what mattered. And yet God warned him, do not take to yourself of the strange women because they'll turn your heart from me. And Solomon is said to had done evil in the sight of the Lord and not served the Lord as his father David because he did exactly what God told him not to do. And here you have Solomon in Ecclesiastes why why is there uh, there's so much mention in this book of things that are vain and, and then you have uh, the book of and you have lamentations and others that are also kind of uh struggling books and and books that are hard to read through because it just it can be very depressing when you 're reading what's going on but you're talking about people who are basically lamenting that's lamentations lamenting you're talking about Uh, the preaching and and the declaring of uh, a broken man who has had everything the world could offer and he looks back on, on all that he has done and all he can say is it's all vanity. It's everything I went after, by the way, not everything in total, but everything that I went after that I thought I wanted was nothing but vanity. And everything that God told me to go after was what mattered. It's amazing how in the end of life, hindsight's twenty twenty. But in this one, one chapter six, the very first verse is all I'm going to read. One verse, believe it or not. One verse is all I'm going to read. But listen to what it says. It says here in verse number one of chapter six, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun. By the way, it also the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. So when people say, "Oh, we got we, we got new ideas," no, you just got rehashed ideas that nobody's thought of in a very long time. It feels new. It's kind of like that new gen that, that next generation coming out saying, "Hey, look look at our our clothes. Hey, nobody ever had stuff like this. Look at we, we're gonna call them bell bottoms. Idiots." You think nobody's done that before? How many of y'all in here have ever experienced a bell All right. so y'all know what it is, you hippies. All right. So bell <laughs> yeah, squid. All right. <laughs> I figured that would that would tickle you. All right. But the the even generations today think that everything they come up with is you know, hey, nobody's ever done this before. Well, no, they ha- they probably have. Um, you know, back in the old days, you know, y'all's time. Um, the Back in the old, old days, y'all did a lot of things. Now, you had to be a lot more creative because you didn't have the technology we have today. But, I mean, there's not a whole lot that they do today that wasn't done back then, just a different form. Now it's just done with a whole different application and method because of what they have access to but uh listen gossip has never stopped it's just gone to facebook and to social media it used to be you know <laughs> plug it in hey did you hear about someone? plug it in yeah and the person the person who was doing all the connecting knew everything and typically typically was the town gossip but uh, nothing's changed nothing's new Man just repeats over and over again and we think that all of a sudden we came up with something special. By the way, there's nothing preached that's new. There are some things preached that haven't been heard in a long time. There are some passages of scripture that maybe people have not heard a preacher go to in a very long time. The, the, The day that we live in the day, there's a lot of passages of scripture that preachers just stay away from completely because it's difficult to preach and not make people mad. And so you just don't hear it anymore. Then all of a sudden, one preacher gets up there and he goes after it. It's like, oh wow, I've never heard. Boy, that's something new. No, it's been preached before years ago. It's just not as common anymore. There's nothing new under the sun. But here, Solomon brings forth and he says, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun. And here's what's interesting. And it is common among men. You know say common sense isn't nearly as common as it used to be? Well, there's one thing that's never stopped being very common. Evil. And here is what people will ask you, and you might have heard this before. I'll give you two different forms. What, the one form you'll, you will get a lot of times is, well, if there's a good God, if he's so good, then why does he allow all this evil to happen? Or we can put it this way, just the more simple, not nearly as accusatory, but why does God allow evil? He's God, right? He's powerful, right? He knows everything. He can do everything. So why does He allow it? Does He not care about His creation? I mean, when you really think it out, in a societal A form of reasoning, you have to come to a conclusion that, well, it's a legitimate question for society's version of reason. If he's so powerful and so great and so knowledgeable and nothing catches him by surprise and he can stop anything he wants to stop, then why does he allow evil? If he's really that big and that good, then why does it happen? So how do you answer that? I know there's a simple answer and we're going to hit some of those simple answers, but as a whole, there's actually several different ways to put together a complete answer of things that must be considered. And so we're going to start looking at this tonight. It is a heavy topic, maybe not for us as much, but you're going to run into some people where that is their brick wall and it is an iron wall. And they are resisting anything about this book and what you have to say about God because in their mind, they refuse to get past the question of why does a quote-unquote good God allow evil. And so we're going we're gonna to investigate some of this together and hopefully maybe be a help for us to understand a, a more wide-ranged answer that can be given for this. And so let, let's pray and then we're going to we're going to dig in um to the uh, basic in- introduction for this this evening, all right? Heavenly Father again, we thank you for allowing us to come together. I pray that you would help us as we look at this thought it is a an important one for us to have an answer for any man that was to ask us that they would be struggling with something of this nature and the church needs to have an answer that is more than just a, well, the Bible says so kind of answer. Lord, may we understand where people are coming from, but may we also have a comprehension of how to give them a solid answer from the Word of God, but an answer that makes them consider and think beyond their accusation of you. I pray that you just do a work, and Lord, teach us, show us that we might grow and learn and do more for you in the days to come. We ask it all in Christ's name, amen. So it is one of this, this statement is one of the favorite arguments of those that resist God, and, and they, they love to really point the finger and say, if he's so good, then, then why doesn't he stop it? Now, one of the most well-known accounts... Uh, in, in the Bible of an individual facing not just adversity, but facing wickedness, evil, mistreatment. Now, there's, there's throughout the Bible, there's several, and I'll list some in a minute, but um, the one that comes to mind faster than any other is a young man by the name of Joseph. Because his situation had a bit of family involved, It had workplace environment involved. It had country environment involved. I mean, we're talking about a whole bunch of different areas of life where no matter where Joseph turned, no matter what he was doing, he was faced with the wickedness of men's actions towards him. And yet, the reason he's a good example to go to is because he didn't act like most wicked men would act. He was one that even as a young man had enough understanding to know that there's got to be a reason for all this. Um, When when you look, there are three major aspects that Joseph went through. And I don't want to go into all of it in detail because I got a whole other series of messages for him later don't want to mess that up all right but there's three major time frames in his life where he saw the the wrongdoing and the wickedness and that the evil intentions of people in his life his brothers sold him into slavery but by the way before they sold him they had intended to murder him And the only reason they didn't murder him, at least in their mind, we know God had a hand in it all. But at least in their mind, the only reason they didn't murder him is because they could make more money off of him, turning him into a slave. I mean, think think about that. You want to talk about people today go nuts over this whole slave stuff. It doesn't even exist in the United States anymore and hasn't for a very long time. But boy, we still, I say at least, at least not in the way it does then. It's a whole different type of slavery now, a whole trafficking scenario going on now. But we don't talk, nope, can't talk about that, sorry, that's, a, that's an off-topic thing. Um, the, the, our society doesn't, doesn't let you talk about that much. But the, the whole slave trade and everything, all oh, and the big, big hullabaloo that they bring up about all that. But here's the thing, think about it. Here's a young man. His brothers, family, sell him into slavery. Not just, well, here, you're going to go work for this guy. <laughs> no, they never intended to see him again. Most people in slavery, depending on who they became the slave of, many of them lived horrible lives, lived in agony over things, and eventually died in misery. If they lived very long because of the way they were treated and mistreated. They didn't care about that. I mean, all they thought was, we're going to make some money off of this. Why, why kill him and bury him? I mean, that's a kind of a waste. We can, make, we can make some moolah off of this kid. And they could care less what kind of life he was going to end up in. That's wicked. Then you get to Potiphar's house. And he gets a pretty good job and things are looking up. And I mean, he, he moves up in the ranks and here he is now. He's, he's second in, in all of Potiphar's house. I mean, outside of being the homeowner, you couldn't have gotten any higher uh, than, than where Joseph was because of his character and his testimony. And here, I mean, he has full reign of everything and he does nothing but good to the one He serves. And then his wife gets her eye on him because here he is, may I say, there must have been some serious, I can't go into all of it, but there, there must have been some serious issues between Potiphar and his wife because she had an eye for a young man that was second to the husband, but actually for her was a little more enticing And here she is, she thinks she's going to get this young man to think he's arrived and now he's something special and she comes after him and grabs a hold of him and he knows exactly what's happening and he doesn't even wait around. He jumps out of his coat and he takes off leaving it behind, not going back for it. He does everything right. And she falsely accuses him. And here's Potiphar, one who has watched Joseph do nothing but prove himself, prove himself, prove himself. Does Potiphar look and say, I'm just not so sure about this? As far as we know, Potiphar instantly takes her word for it and takes a young man that's done nothing but prove himself loyal and true and trustworthy and take him and throw him into prison. Then you find that uh, that he is there and helps in the prison. And of course, I mean, how many inmates do you know get the keys to the prison? And Joseph is there and he's allowed to, he actually is overseeing the prisoners and he has a baker and a, and a, and a cupbearer or a butler. Both of them have dreams and he shares the interpretation of those dreams. And, and here we go. Then the, the cupbearer, the butler goes back and and uh, he's supposed to remember. Remember the one who did you good. Remember the one who encouraged you. I'm not going to forget you. <laughs> yeah, right. Ultimately, for quite some time, after all that he had done, even the butler, even the, the cupbearer, selfishly forgot Joseph in prison. He got back in his job and he's happy and all of a sudden he forgot everybody that was there for him in his low time. And Joseph is still in prison. Now we know the story goes on and things change for him but just think of the many opportunities Joseph had to say God has not been good to me. God is not doing me right. Why is God letting evil in my life? I'm doing nothing but right and nothing but good and nothing but the godly. Why is this happening? But you don't see that. I'm not going to go there now, but we'll look at it later. Joseph's response is a much different response than most people would have. He sees the evil for what it is, but he also sees what God's doing in spite of it. You could also, though, look, there are many other accounts. You could look at Job. The only account that we have that God actually looks at Satan and says, have you considered this one? How would you like that? If God actually looked at the accuser and said, oh, by the way, you haven't been paying attention to this one over here. Don't you want to go pick on them a little bit? Lord, no. <laughs> He's leaving me alone. I'm happy. You know? <laughs> but that's what he did with Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job? Matter of fact, he didn't just do it once, he did it twice. You can look at Job's situation. Look at David. How much evil was done towards David? Look at Daniel. Where did Daniel ever do wrong by the kings he served under? And yet he ended up in a lion's den because of wicked, evil men. Who twisted things and tricked the king for one purpose, to target Daniel. Uh, What about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? All they did is, we, we just, we can't bow. And there were certain individuals, didn't like them too much, were very quick to come up and say, there are some Hebrews that aren't obeying your command. By the way, here's their names, Shadrach, Meshach. I mean, when you think about it, I think one of the preachers um, uh, Saturday, I think it's that it was Saturday, was preaching a little bit on that and pointing some of that out. And I, I thought it was interesting that the, the initial mention of the situation when Nebuchadnezzar had the, the idol built and all and the statue that they were to bow down to, Uh, that the first accusation was not specific. It was fairly general. There are some Hebrews. There are certain Hebrews. It was general in the aspect of the first initial introduction. And then it didn't take very long. I said, by the way, we'll give you the names. And so they weren't looking at certain ones. There were people watching, eyeing these three, knowing that they probably are going to be defiant. You ever felt like um, there are wicked people in this world just watching Christians because they know we're going to catch them? We're going to catch them doing something? Look back at COVID, uh, with the whole COVID stuff. I mean, there were people literally having microscopes on on churches and Christians and anybody, I'm not talking about political people, I'm talking about those that would stand up for right things and they were watching to just slip up one time. We've got our chance. We're gonna find you. We're, we're, We're gonna see what you do. Boy, we're gonna hurt you good on this one because we've got one up right now. We can catch you in your ridiculousness and we're gonna make you pay for it. We can't, we can't find you for going to church before this time, but man, we can do it now. We're going to shut you down. I mean, there are people jumping on the bandwagon trying to take every advantage of attacking God's people. I'm not saying that, oh, poor us. I'm just saying the world is, the wicked world is waiting for its opportunity. There is many, many, many others that we could look at. Oh, you could even go to Christ himself. Think of the wickedness. Think of the evil. The intentions of the Pharisees over and over trying to find the best opportunity to catch him where they could, they could get him, try him, kill him. And then when they did get a hold of him, it wasn't enough to take him to a cross. They had to punish him through great embarrassment, through beatings, through mockery. And they enjoyed every bit of the suffering he went through. I mean, how wicked do you have to be to watch somebody literally tortured and and made a, a spectacle of in front of you and sit back with a fulfillment within you. It's like, oh, this is great. I mean, how evil and wicked do you have to be to enjoy the, the physical abuse of someone knowing that they are headed to their death? And you say, how in the world can God allow this? Now, it is easy when you think about it. Now, think, think from a, a standpoint of some people. It is easy to blame an all-knowing an all-powerful God for allowing such things to happen. If he knows everything that's going to happen and he's powerful enough to stop it, then it's his fault if it happens. can, Can you see the logic? It's pretty easy to understand how people can see and view it from that point, especially when they want to be angry with God. Because if I can be angry with him and I can say he's not worth my attention, then I can feel better about just focusing on myself. And so this is where people are coming from. But we must understand, there are some important principles to know and be aware of concerning the existence of evil in this world. Let me give you the first one, and this is where we're going to stop tonight. The first one is simply this. The trouble in this world is man's fault, not God's. Now, these are not real deep, but they're simple answers, but they together, this conglomeration of answers that we're going to give, will give you a very powerful, hard to argue against list of things to understand. The trouble in this world is man's fault not God's. Romans 5, 12 says, Wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world, and that was not Christ. Because later on you find that it says, Wherefore as by one sin entered in, therefore by one. If sin entered by one, then it can be dealt with by one. If by Adam all men are guilty of sin, by Christ all can be forgiven. Paul talks about that in Romans. We'll get there as we we get further into it. But, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so, therefore, it is not God's fault that sin has entered the world. We said this morning, did God Ever think to create a perfect world so man could live in a perfect scenario? Yes, it's exactly how he started it. It wasn't God that made them sin. It wasn't God that tempted them to sin. God does not tempt man. He is not tempted of, nor does he tempt. But yet man chose. In the beginning, when God made man and woman, and this is not super deep, but We know this. There there was no suffering. God made a perfect world for them to live in and provided for their every need, even the need of fellowship with him personally as he walked in the garden with them. But they were not satisfied with God's provision and they disobeyed God's command and fell into, or should say, uh, we do more jumping into sin than we do falling. Oh, I'll put it this way. Eve could be considered as one who fell into sin because of temptation. Bible says that she was tempted, but then it says, wherefore as by one man. It didn't say by one couple, by one man and woman, by, by one married, in, ma- married couple. No, it, it said wherefore as by one man. Who got the blame? Adam. Why? Y'all ever thought about this? I might have said it before. But um, do you know that Eve was not around when God gave the commands? She wasn't there yet. When God gave the commands as a whole for the garden and everything to be done, he gave them to Adam. So how would Eve know? It was Adam's responsibility to teach those under his leadership to protect his family. Adam evidently did share a form, at least, of God's commands because Eve misquoted God, but she had a, a working idea that we're we're not to we're not to touch it. What well, did God say? Not touch it. No, He said don't don't take of don't don't eat of the of, of the fruit of that tree. But Eve didn't have a bad idea. I mean, if you don't touch it, you can't eat it, right? I mean, even if you were to touch it with your with your teeth and your tongue, you're still touching it. All right, so if you don't touch it, you can't eat it. But Satan twisted things for her. But where was Adam? I think I've asked the question before. Where was Adam, according to the Bible, when Eve took of the fruit? He had to have been right there with her. Because the Bible says that after she took of the fruit, she turned and gave to him also didn't say she went across the other side of the garden to go find him. Adam, where are you, Adam? And she didn't say she went and found him. It says she turned and gave to him, which means he had to have been nearby. Which means he had to have been either oblivious, which, men, I guess it started way back then. (laughs) Uh, Either he was oblivious or he was willfully not paying attention to what was going on. Somewhere Adam messed up, but by the way, it wasn't Eve's sin that brought about, according to the Bible, wasn't Eve's sin that brought about sin upon all men, though she was guilty, and she was punished specifically by God with a certain command for her disobedience. But what brought about the sin passing upon all men? Though Eve was deceived, the Bible never says Adam was deceived. Therefore, Adam had to know, yet willfully choose to disobey. And at that moment, it was the sin of rebellion that, by the way, Satan replicated and got Adam to follow. It was his rebellion against God to start with is the first sin we see as a whole. But Adam followed The same exact rebellion mentality, I'll do what I want. And so it passed upon all men. And by the way, sin is not God's fault. It is man's fault. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But before it's finished, it brings a a whole bunch of other stuff in. Genesis 3, 16 through 19 is where you see that account. I'm not going to go there any further. But here's here's the last of this and we're done. Evil in this life. Why does God allow evil? It's his fault. No, it's not his fault. This is man's fault. It is men that lie. No, not just men. It's man, let, let's do it right so we don't get thinking that it's all us it's, all wicked men. Just take us out and shoot us. All right. It's mankind that lies. It's mankind that cheats. It's mankind that steal. It's mankind that rape and pillage. It's mankind that kidnap. It's men or children that learn to bully and mistreat people. And it's mankind that go around killing one another. I heard just today, my wife was telling me about it. There's a, a mother that's in jail tonight facing charges. She got high on something and took a gun and shot her son how old was he seventh grade 7 years old 7 years old shot him twice in the head and the whole time until she sobered up she kept saying the same story i had to kill him to keep the demons away from him i had to kill him to keep the demons away you say well that's why did god let that happen on we know that everything that happens to a degree is by god's approval because he has the power to stop anything he wants to stop or anything he feels needs to be stopped so yes sometimes god sends things sometimes god allows things however there are some things god just doesn't interfere with the natural results and the declaration of the judgment of sin You take mind-controlling drugs and then expect God to stop bad things from happening. You resist what God says is right to do and then blame Him when bad things take place. Well, hold on a second. What if your children, okay, what if in, in your own household, in our household we have rules of protection and rules of guidelines and and, and there there is consequence for not following rules and then a child within a household goes and decides I'm going to do what I want to do and then they go do what they want to do and when things go bad and people get hurt and horrible things take place, why did y'all let this happen? Pointing back to the parents. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. You went against every rule, every encouragement, every guideline. You broke it willfully, and now you want to say it's the fault of those over the home. When you were the one that went outside the home and did whatever you wanted to, now it's their fault. Hold on. It's the same thing. Well, well, God shouldn't have let that happen. Hold on. How about this? We shouldn't have done what we did. Well, God should have stopped those kids from going to that school and and shooting up the place and killing kids. How about this? We start teaching the kids some morals again and some ethics again and some biblical understanding of the value of life again. Well, you know, this this shouldn't be happening. And how how can all this stuff? We, we, all this, this human trafficking and, and kids being taken in, into this sex slave stuff and everything. This God should not be allowing this. How about this? How about we dress our kids and how about we stop promoting our kids on social media wearing almost nothing and encouraging it? I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to go there. Think about it. The one, one of the, some of the biggest names out there in, in this music industry today, especially, now, the guys, just punks, absolute punks. But listen, even the guys don't wear much. And most of what they're, they're, they're if you can call it singing, most of what they, you know what the biggest music industry right now really is? Rap. Everything is rap. It needs to be a rap and be away with it. That's what I'm saying. But you know what all that's about? Rebellion. 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 Most of it encourages killing. Matter of fact, you think of all the horrible things man can do, and I guarantee you there's rap songs out there talking about it and promoting it, and we got kids in this community and maybe even this church that know those songs. but you go from that industry and you go into the pop industry. Oh my goodness. They go on stage and don't wear anything. And then go screaming about how, how oh, you're, 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 you're sexualizing women. You make money doing it. And then they get, oh, 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 hold on, here you go. Here's one for you, here's one for you. There's a young lady in LSU, and I'm done, but there's a young lady in LSU that can no longer go to LSU for college. She now has to take classes at home because it's no longer safe for her to attend classes in school. I did a little bit of research on it because it's blowing up my phone. A little bit of research on it. And this young lady has promoted herself in every way a young lady never should. And now she's saying it's not fair. I can't even go to school. It's not safe for me. And people are starting to catch on. And they are literally grilling her left and right. And saying, well, you shouldn't have promoted yourself like you've done. You have caused... All of these individuals who can't control their thoughts, and now you have caused them to look at you in a way that you don't feel safe. But it's everybody else's fault. God should not let that happen. How about this? We should not be doing what causes that to happen. If man could get back to following godliness, we would see things take place in our society that would radically change the way people act towards each other but here's what happens instead of of man getting right man just says let's blame him and so they say I don't need your God if he was so good he wouldn't let these evil things happen The trouble in this world is man's fault, not God's. So, that's answer number one. There's only about 11 more. All right. But no. uh, It is important to know. And it's, by the way, you cannot, you cannot be ugly when you respond to somebody who comes at you with that. If you respond with a snappy back like, like they're dumb, I know I know. being a preacher and preaching, I can, I can be somewhat sarcastic in this. We know what we're talking about. I would not go at someone who comes to me with that answer about life in the same way that I'm preaching it tonight. But I am going to give them the same answers. But I'm going to do it knowing that I have to work through the layers of of anger and bitterness towards God when it's not even his fault. He didn't do it. He didn't even bring sin into this world. Man did. So we understand God is still good. God is still right. And the evil in this world, yes, if it happens, it's only because God did not interfere and stop it. But some things happen because it is the natural result of sin. And the righteous judge of all the earth cannot interfere with some things that are the natural result of sin. We must face the consequences for our actions. And rarely do those consequences hit us the day after typically you see a few years go by and all of a sudden what we decided back here produces fruit down here. And we are quick to forget what we started. We just see what God let happen. It's not his fault. It's ours. Take some responsibility. Mankind needs to take responsibility. Let's pray. We're going to close out tonight in this area. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, again, the chance to look at your word.